listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. My name is Clark Rockfall. I am your host and the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. Thanks to everyone, either streaming, downloading, uh, liking, rating, reviewing, and of course, sharing these podcasts via your favorite podcast player, as well as those streaming and listening over ACB Radio. If you're interested to learn more about ACB, you can always check out our website at www.acb.org and feel free to join, join and check out a community event and inquire about membership as well. We would love to have you be part of our community and part of our conversations. Conversations such as this. Here we are talking about making ACB a, a more inclusive and representative organization that reflects all people who are blind and experiencing vision loss uh, and the, the different initiatives that ACB is undertaking to make the, the transition to chair, vice president, presidents, leadership positions uh, easier for all of our members to become more involved. So today... My first conversation, I'm joined by no strangers to longtime ACB members, but I'll, I'll ask them to give brief introductions for themselves. First, I'd like to introduce Peggy Garrett. Peggy, how are you doing today? I am doing well, very well today, Clark. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of your presentation today, your program today. So, I um introducing me. I gosh, I'm all over the place, but I am <laughs> <laughs> chair of the Multicultural Affairs Committee, better known as MCAC. I also serve on the ACB membership committee. I've been a part of library users, served as secretary for many years. I'm currently on the board of library users of uh, the AABL Alliance on uh, visual loss, uh, just just really involved in the organization and really enjoy all that I do. And Peggy, in your free time, you're even involved with your state affiliate, aren't you? That That is true. I'm also president, uh, president of the American Council of the Blind of Texas and immediate past president of my local chapter where I serve as public relations and outreach chair and uh, a few other things. Well, I... <laughs> right, right. And occasionally, occasionally you sleep. Uh, I'm happy, Peggy, that I'm able to have this conversation today with you as well as your husband, Michael Garrett. I mean, it sounds like, Peggy, you're so busy, you guys might not get to see each other all that often. So, Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Clark. And, and as Peggy said, thank you for the opportunity to uh, join you today. Absolutely. And, and- and Michael, what are uh, what are some of the roles that you have held within uh, ACB and other affiliates? Well, in terms of ACB, I am current uh, chairman of the ACB Enterprises and Services uh, uh, Board. Uh, I have served on the ACB Board of Directors. Uh, I'm a part of the MMS program. That's the Monthly Monetary Support Program. Uh, I serve on the auction committee. Uh, 
and I serve on the investment committee. And and Michael, what is that uh, that MMS email address in case folks are interested to learn more about monthly monetary support? Uh, you got me there. I, I don't have it I, at, at, at my fingertips. I think that's at askacbmms at gmail dot com. You know, always always looking for a good plug whenever whenever you can. Exactly <laughs> that, that that and I should I should have known that. <laughs> <laughs> right offhand, but my 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 committee members will get me for that. All right. Well, that that is a, a, a side tangent, unrelated to the broader conversation we're having here today. And I know we are uh, February is Black History Month. Here we are in early March, and I just want to put this out there. One of the things that I noticed this year it. And maybe this is just in my my own uh, personal experience in spheres of influence, but I seem to notice more events focused on the intersection of being a person of color as well as having a disability. And I was curious if you two uh, noticed or experienced the same thing this year. You know, as a person being a person of color and also uh, having a disability, I think it's been around and it has been going on for quite some time. But I think what happened this year is because of the social injustice uh, and things that happened in 2020, I think more companies, more organizations actually did focus on it. But then I wonder if it's because we're all on Zoom and so we were just more aware of it this year. But I, I do know that it has happened in past years. But I, I think you may be right, Clark, that this year there were more, uh, more, more, even more events than usual. And and maybe uh, it's a, a bit of the chicken and the egg, uh, right, yeah. Peggy? Where the events have always been there, uh, but for for someone like me, who uh, is new to you know, a. Uh, advocacy work for a membership organization, right? I've only been in this role with ACB a little bit over two years now, um, really getting to see that intersection come to the forefront, as well as, I, I think you're right, having everything on Zoom, having it more accessible and easier uh, to share and to find probably encourages a, a broader audi- audience to attend. Oh, definitely so. Uh, I think that was the intention this year, too, because one of the things that we try to do is educate people of all ethnicities, all backgrounds and cultures, uh, basically what is real, you know, what's going on. And I think that because we did have the Zoom platform available, it made it easier. People are at home, even though some people are working from home. There are others who are just home. They have more time to watch TV or to watch again on Zoom or, or videos. And so I think it's been a great opportunity for us to get information out there to just let people know that that is uh, an issue, that is a bigger issue, that intersection of having a disability and being a person of color presents additional issues for, for, for us. And Michael, were there any uh, any events? I, I will begin with uh, of February, but geez, we could go back, like Peggy was saying, back to twenty twenty. Have there been any any events um, that have occurred that you have found very 
uh, impactful in terms of the, the message, the delivery, the content um, that you have seen or participated in recently? Not any one particular, but I look at Black History Month, uh, as, as Peggy alluded to, as, as a point of education and the need to emphasize the fact that people of color with disabilities are faced with the same um, obstacles as those in the general public. Yeah. But but in in addition to that, too, you know, you you throw in the extra discriminatory things that that we're also faced with, and that that makes a difference. But I, I do believe that this year has really given us an opportunity to share uh, one of the things that, that I thought was, was really uh, good was the program that MCAC uh, uh, co-hosted with the Next Generation. Um, and uh, shout out to Next Generation. But that is our, for those who may not be aware, they are a group of people who are under the age of 40 and who are also blind and a part of ACB. And we were able to host and co-host a program with them. Uh, a lot of what we did was to talk about people of color, African-Americans who are blind and who have made significant uh, improvements or significant things to, to, the, uh, black, to the blind uh, community. And a lot of those folks were people within our own organization. And it was amazing to me that other folks in the organization, even some who've been around for quite a while, we're not aware of, of the contributions and even of some of the names that, of the folks that we included. So I thought that was very impactful uh, because of, of, you know, that we were able to bring that information and share it with our, our younger and even some of our members who've been around for a while. And uh, Peggy and Michael, last week we had a, a conversation with our Next Gen affiliate celebrating their their first birthday, their one-year anniversary of being an ACB affiliate. And their second vice president, uh, Stephen Salas, was the, the event that the Multicultural Affairs Committee and NextGen put on. And he was very excited to be a, a part of that. Um, Peggy, can you dive a little deeper and share with us uh, some of the, the, either the individuals or the events that you were just referencing um, that was included in part of that programming? Yes. Uh, two of uh, the people who were first African-Americans, first Blacks to serve on the board of the American Council of the Blind were Cynthia Towers and, uh, uh, oh, Pam, what's Pam's last name? Pamela Shaw. Shaw, I want to say mess because she's on my mind, but Pamela <laughs> Shaw. And the two of them were, inst- they were just wonderful. The secretary they served as a, a conference convention committee chair plan of Cynthia did for years. Uh, and a lot of people don't know them because Cynthia is no longer part of the organization. And Pam, although she is a part of the organization, hasn't been active because of personal issues and things that are, have been going on. But she's back now. She's once again active. And I'm looking forward to her doing some great things within the organization again. And then. Freddie Pico uh, is another person who's been around for a number of years, and a lot of people had not were not familiar with her name, so it was great that we could 
bring her in and, and uh, you know, make people aware that, yes, there have been people who are who who are of African-American descent who have been on the board and have contributed. But we want to keep that process going. We want to make sure that the inclusion is there going forward as well. Absolutely. And, uh, and on that note, Michael, you helped lead a, some programming during the president's meeting this year, which uh, is part of our leadership conference and fell in February. Uh, will you share with our listeners uh, the topics of the, the session you led during this year's virtual president's meeting? Well, the focus really was on on mentoring. And, and I chose to start out uh, the presentation because it has some statistical uh, references and related to uh, the business corp the, the the business area in general, and I could identify with those those statistics. Or, uh, for instance, uh, only about three point two percent of the executive upper level positions are held by African-Americans in, in the business uh, industry of America. And, and I had personal experience there because it took me a long time to get to uh, an executive position. I, 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 reached the, uh, I reached the grand level of vice president of, of, uh, of Chase when i was uh, when i was working but it took a long time to get there to matriculate through the whole process being a person of color and being a blind person but but mentoring it was the key it's where you start it's how you get to bring people along and so that's 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 a process that we hope that acb continues to embrace as we move forward and a mentoring program such as that, that's, um, that's just good for health of the organization. It's capacity building, correct? That's true. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Peggy is fond of saying, I'm, I'm going to steal it from her. She's <laughs> fond of saying that, that there are treasures within our organization, and you don't know what treasures you have until you seek them out and dust them off and find out what value there is in the in this organization. And I don't know if we talk about mentoring again, I, I want to talk, I'd like to talk about some of my mentors in ACB. <laughs> that, I think that would be a great community event. I mean, uh, we've got a lot to touch on here. So I, I want to keep us keep us moving along, along with the the mentorship aspect and uh, referencing Peggy's quote on, you know, finding and developing those treasures. I think that dovetails nicely with the the resolution that was passed by the ACB board last summer, Peggy, dealing with uh, greater inclusion within ACB. Yes. And I thought that was a great thing. That was something that was really needed. And as a follow-up to that, uh, the ACB board training, which was held during the the leadership meetings that was uh, done by Jane Dunham and that training uh, I've understood from some people that it, they really enjoyed it. They felt like they gained some knowledge that they otherwise did not have. 
You know, Clark, sometimes people are not always aware that racism is exactly, that built-in racism is even there. Uh, white privilege is something that just kind of gets, it's just there and people don't think about it. It, it, ju- it just happens. And to get people to stop and think sometimes about how they reach the point where they are, what contributed to them thinking the way that they do, uh, can really turn people thoughts around. It can help them to see where they may need to make some changes. And getting back to the mentoring, because this all flows in there, uh, this was also a part of that resolution that AC, that MCAC would uh, implement some, some mentoring uh, as a part of moving the organization forward to more inclusion. You know, it's, it's one of those things where one of the reasons I think mentoring is important too is that a lot of times what I found with members of ACB, they don't really understand the foundation of the organization. They tend to think that the organization is basically a business and that we're no longer grassroots, which is really not the case. But when you teach them about the levels, the ACB national, the affiliate level, and then the chapter level, it helps them to understand what they're actually a part of and the power that this organization has. Once they get that and they understand that, whether whatever their ethnicity is, it helps them to want to be a more uh, active, take on a more active role and contribute their experiences or education, whatever their talents are. That's one way of encouraging them is to teach them what they're a part of and then encourage them to step up, step out, and want to take on a leadership role. And and that's what uh, I see the mentoring program that we're working on. That's where I see it taking us. And at the same time, that the leadership, whether it's officers, whether it's staff, but would also be accepting and reach out and encouraging to people once they get to that point where they feel they're prepared to take on those roles. And Peggy, another part of that resolution was that the uh, that ACB would conduct our first ever census to gather demographic data. Um, much like the board training that you referenced, I think that was a great first step um, mm-hmm. for us to understand about staff, contractors, board members, you know, where we are all beginning on mm-hmm. this journey of inclusion. But we also need to understand where we are as an organization. Um, along this journey. So having that census data, collecting demographic data as our uh, affiliates go through the certification and membership process so Mm -hmm. that we have those benchmarks to measure ourselves against in the policy, uh, in the work that we do going forward. So we will know if our mentorship programs are being impactful. And the board also uh, has implemented a few policy changes that we will gain a better understanding to know whether they are impactful in increasing uh, inclusion as well. Um, so the, the board uh, has agreed to double the, the stipend for board members to be able to attend meetings, as well as for the fall board mem- meeting to allow virtual attendance. Um, do you think measures like that will make uh, you know, the 
the level of service and volunteerism it takes to be a leader within ACB? Do you think that will help lower those barriers and make ACB more inclusive as well? Oh, for sure. Um, I, I know of people who have hesitated to reach out and to become active at the national level for that reason, because it was a financial burden. They have the qualifications, they're enthusiastic, uh, want to take it on, but were hesitant because of that of that obligation. I think that's a that's going to be a, a great incentive uh, because they're they're prepared. It's just a matter of needing that additional financial assistance. So I was really pleased when the board uh, voted to increase to double that. I think it's I think it's really going to make a difference. I think it 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 also goes hand in hand with the mentoring when you mm-hmm. pull together with with the eligible people you, you give them that incentive i think it, it it will inspire people to become more active yes i think you're right michael we certainly need to make sure people are aware that these supports exist so that any anyone who is on the fence about uh, taking on a leadership position or running for uh, a board position, uh, they know that ACB has their back and will you know will try to make that transition as as smooth as possible, um, so that we get the the you know the best folks on the merits who are able to contribute their treasures to the organization. Well, this is an advocacy podcast, so I would be remiss if I did not ask you to, uh, what are there advocacy, broader advocacy initiatives that you think um, ACB should be uh, undertaking? And I'll preface that by saying, you know, we've been talking about a lot of uh, personal and organizational advocacy to make ACB better as a whole. Um, and we're also doing a lot of work in the health and wellness space. Uh, you know, Tony Stevens is probably the best advocate I know in terms of making diabetes care more accessible when we know diabetes impacts people of color, um, you know, disproportionately at disproportionately higher rates uh, than other members of our community. So are there other areas of advocacy that you two think that we should focus our efforts on? Well, let me jump. Let me jump in here first, and I'll, I'll give Peggy time to collect her thoughts. <laughs> but certainly, the health and wellness aspect is is important because uh, because the diabetes aspect uh, pervades our our. I'll call, I'll call our culture. I think the uh, demonstration act that we've been working on for years, and I don't understand why Congress won't pass that. But it's 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 very important and would cr- increase in independence. But when I look at the broader picture for 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 people of color and those of us with with disabilities or blindness. The two areas that I think we we can continue to focus on are education and employment, mm-hmm. because education is is the key to employment. But education 
broadens the perspective of of a person's life in general. And when you're better educated, you can you you have the opportunity to have higher employment. And those, I think, from a broad standpoint, anytime we can continue to advocate for better education for for people who are blind or visually impaired and people with disabilities, it's going to open up the opportunity for better employment and make people more productive citizens in this United States. Thanks, Michael. And, and Peggy, your thoughts? I, I totally agree with Michael on that. We, we have conversations about this frequently that without the basic proper education, it limits people for the employment that they can actually uh, apply for it. You know, they're, they're limited to not being able to get the higher paying jobs to get the better positions that offer the benefits like the health insurance, the paid vacations, the sick leave and all of that. But right now I'm focusing quite a bit on the currency. Uh, we've been fighting for many years and I guess I say fighting <laughs> for many years asking the Treasury Department to make their currency accessible to people who are blind and visually impaired. And we just did a a press release, uh, I guess it was about a week ago, uh, because in addition to that, right now they're considering putting Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill. And so we're asking them that while they're doing that, because they did say when they made the next uh, make the change to the next currency that they would also make it accessible that they do both at the same time. So I think that's really important. I think for anybody who's listening, who is part of, who is advocating that talk to your legislators, that you should talk to your legislators and ask them to support uh, our, our ask to make it accessible while they're also making uh the, the $20 bill, putting Harriet Tubman on. I think, as I said in my statement, I think that it's an opportunity for the United States to make two great strides at the same time, to start the process of making currency accessible and also by putting the first uh, Black woman, African-American woman, on their currency. I think that that would work. Uh, I think it's only fair to everybody concerned. So, uh I, I think those are all the great points, certainly uh, education being foundational for uh, success, personal growth and development, um, as well as uh, you know, just quality of life, economic opportunity, greater independence, everything that is core to the mission of ACB. Um, so could, Michael could not agree with you more. And Peggy, on on this day, on Harriet Tubman Day, the 31st Harriet Tubman Day, since Congress recognized this national day in 1990, thank you so much to lending your voice uh, as chair of the Multicultural Affairs Committee to the ACB press release regarding accessible currency. And I, I agree, your statement was so well put that uh, you know, we, we expect our government basically to walk and chew gum at the same time. Why not make the most inclusive piece of U.S. currency the most accessible piece of U.S. currency as well? Yes. Well, 
Peggy and Michael, thank you so much for your time here today. I know I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, especially focusing on capacity building, uh, finding those buried treasures within our ACB family, but also the broader community as a whole, uh, mentoring those leaders of tomorrow, as well as having the organizational supports in place so that those future leaders um, have their opportunity to shine. And our second half of this podcast conversation is going to be about further opportunities uh, not only the DKM first timers, but the JP Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows, those programs which offer additional supports for all ACB members to become more involved. So, folks, stay tuned and we will be back with our next guests here shortly. But again, Peggy and Michael Garrett, thank you all for your advocacy work and for your time and talents that you share so generously with ACB. Thank you. Thank you, Clark. Thank you for calling the ACB radio and information line brought to you by Xeno Media. 518-906-1820. That's 518-906-1820. To sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Right, everyone, welcome back. And again, a quick thank you to Peggy and Michael Garrett for sharing uh, their perspective on the work that ECB is doing to increase our our talents and our treasures, right? Uh, but also to make ECB a more diverse, inclusive, and representative community of the entire uh, blindness and community of people experiencing vision loss as a whole. For this next part of our conversation, we'll talk with two ACB members who are helping to increase the capacity of our future leaders. And first, I would like to turn to Kenneth Simeon, chair of the Durwood K. McDaniel Fund Committee. Kenneth, how are you doing today? Hey, Clark. I'm doing well, and I'm so glad to be with you today. And Kenneth, in addition to being the chair of the Durward K. McDaniel Fund Committee, uh, tell us a little bit more about your involvement in ACB for those who might not be familiar with you. Okay. At this time, other than the Durward K. McDaniel Fund Committee, I serve as member lead on the Scholarship and Awards uh, Program Steering Committee, and I enjoy working with uh, Cindy Hollis as a staff lead. And uh, other than that, on the national level, I help in any way I can with uh, uh, things having to do with membership, and I also am a member of several of our special interest affiliates, and the latest one that I joined is the ACB Next Generation uh, affiliate because I want to be a part of that to to help them and reconnect uh, with what we do with this committee uh, in identifying future leaders, and I want to serve as a mentor and 
and this encouraged them to move uh, forward in uh, their quest in life to even be uh, help ACB to be better. Uh, other than that, I am like a member of the ACB Lions, Brain uh, Revival League, Library Users. I think that's all right that I can remember right off. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> as if that was not enough. Um, there is a lot of ACB next generation love on this podcast. Uh, yes. And we are also joined by Zelda Gephardt, a member of the, we'll call it the DKM fund committee, but the Derwood K McDaniel fund committee since 2014. Zelda, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. Good afternoon. I'm pleased to be with with you all today um i have been it's been my privilege to be on the on the dkm committee for um the last so many years i guess i became on the committee in in 14 so um it's just fun to to meet all the new and upcoming leaders of acb And Zelda, what are some of the other hats that you wear within ACB and our affiliates? Okay. Um, Well, number one, um, I am the president of our state affiliate, the North Dakota Association of the Blind. And I'm also the the first vice president of the uh, special interest group, uh, Citizens of Citizens with Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. And... um, and in addition to, to being on the DKM committee, um, I serve on the ACB auction committee, um, and I was selected to, to be on the ACB board of publications two years ago, and I am seeking re-election in July, so I'll just sneak that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Not only plugging ACB affiliates, but also uh, announcing her candidacy. I love it. <laughs> See, this is why ACV is such a fun place to be, because uh, not only do we advocate for the broader community, we advocate for ACV. And when the time is right, we even put a plug in for the position, <laughs> positions and elections that are upcoming. It's shameless, but I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kenneth, could you tell us a little bit, what is uh, the Derwood K. McDaniel Fund Committee? What is the work that you all do? Okay, we're in place to really honor the legacy of Derwood K. McDaniel. Uh, he's been named as the founding father of ACB, and he's done so much. And uh, we always encourage people to read the ACB story, uh, which is the book is called People of Vision. And as we uh, speak to the, the uh, applicants that we work with uh, in our committee, we encourage them to read that book in case they haven't. It really would help you to know more about ACB. And uh, so uh, if I'd like to say a little bit about that myself, that book. Uh, in Texas, you know, I didn't mention some things that I do in Texas, but I do a lot in the state, my state affiliate and my local chapter serving as president. But I, uh, in 2007, I went to a state convention, ACB of Texas State Convention, and, uh, you know, wasn't really involved as much back then, just learning and listening and learning. Well, there was an auction that took place. My sister was there. She's been very supportive of me, especially when I first experienced vision loss. So this auction was taking place. We're all seated at a table. They're calling the items out. And all of a sudden, she heard some technology that she knew I could benefit from. So she wanted to buy it for me. Well, I was excited about it. Uh, But it went on. Everything was going so fast. 
when she raised her hand and said, sold, you know, so we just thought I'd won this technology. The next thing we found out she had won the people of vision. Uh, and she said, wow, I, I mean, I thought I was going for this technology. So uh, she said, well, here, Ken, this is your book, you know, it's on cassette. And I said, <laughs> well, I'm grateful. Uh, and so, but from that time, I can say I would have never thought that I would have been on this committee or at that time for sure, or even being the chair. So I had a privilege to access that book and listen to some things that uh, I just did not know and went on to find that book also on uh, audio CD, computer CD, and now you can also get it from Bard. So I have all the formats that I could benefit from and go back to that book to, to review some of the things. We just can't remember at all. It's an excellent story uh, to encourage people to be more connected with ACB. And uh, moving back to our committee, uh, you know, it's interesting how we have uh, some great uh, committee members working with us to make sure that we uh, help to identify applicants. We do a number of things to, to get the word out, including this type of show. Uh, we've been on ACB radio. We've posted things on social media, or at least Kelly Gass has done that part for us. But we've had our community meeting. Uh, we've put out notices on all the ACB lists uh, and, and try to spread the word, even asking the former uh, recipients of any of our awards to please help us to spread the word. And so we're continuing to identify more and more people that are interested in becoming leaders if they're not leading so far. Uh, and even if they've done it in a, on a small level, we, this gives the DKM First Timers Award especially gives them an opportunity to increase their leadership abilities because it's a, 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 that's our primary leadership development award. And uh, so in our a ACB JP Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award takes it a little bit further uh, you don't have to be a first-timer. You could have been uh, attending the convention and serving uh, uh, in your state affiliate or chapter and uh, even on the ACB level uh, years ago, and maybe you took a break and you decide, well, you know, I want to get back into things and I need to, uh, you know, hone uh, on my skills uh, to uh, be better, to serve better than I did before, and there's always something new to learn. So uh, some people go ahead and apply for the ACB J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award, and um each year we choose five of those. So far we've been doing that for, uh, this is the sixth year. And for the DCAM first timers, we choose two recipients, one from the east and one from the west of the Mississippi River. And, uh, and then we go into all the details of the, re the requirements. And uh, before I would start that, I would want to make sure that uh, I responded to your question appropriately. And uh, then I would want to move forward with uh, introducing Zelda. Yeah, so Zelda, um, Kenneth mentioned two awards to develop future leaders that, th that the Derwood K. McDaniel Fund Committee is in charge of overseeing. Um, the first one is the, the, DM, the DKM First Timers Award. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that's really quite an honor to, to win the, the DKM First Timers because there's only two selected each year. And, um, and what does that mean? First timer for what? First timer to go to the ACB convention and conference. Um, and I, I think that there's a little leader um, in, in everyone. Um, there's a little seed that's this leadership thing that's in each one of us. And I believe that given the right opportunities to, to grow and to, to have some success and to get the tools, um, that we can all become leaders. And it's just so much fun to, to meet these, these budding leaders. Um, 
and and then with the addition of the the ACB JP Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Program, we've been able to take, as Kenneth said, um, leaders who who may have put a pause on their leadership to to raise a family, to devote their time to their career or whatever, and have now gotten into the season of their life where they can once again. Um, you know, water and fertilize that that little leadership thing in them and let it grow. And um, as you can tell, I'm a gardener. <laughs> and so yes. I, I equate things to that. But I, I really, truly have seen that happen. Um, and, it, and it's just such a privilege to be on this committee and have the opportunity to um, interview these people um, and and find out where they've been, what they've done. Um, and you know, it's, it's a great thing. And so the DKM first timers award, that is a, a scholarship or a grant for someone east of the Mississippi and another person west of the Mississippi. So two per year to, to attend and be a part of an experience, uh, an ACB annual conference and convention. What, what is the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award? Well, that is is for, like I say, um, it has slightly different criteria because you can have um, been to other um, in-person ACV conference and conventions and still qualify for the leadership position Um and it is for those people who want to revitalize their their leadership abilities, um, because when they get to come to the conference and convention, um, they will um, be encouraged and and be expected to attend um, workshops and and special sessions that um, we feel like are are um, something that's going to equip them to take the next step step in their leadership role. And. Kenneth, what would you say is the the benefit to any individual out there who's considering applying for these awards? Why should they consider applying to be a DKM first-timer or a J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow? Well, uh, this year and last year, because we've uh, done our national convention virtually, uh, there's been a special benefit that uh, uh, beyond other things that are uh, beneficial to us who who have been and are applying for uh, either one of these awards. But the recipients of both of these awards this year as last year, uh, they will be able to participate if they're selected this year, they'll be able to participate virtually. And then they will also have their way paid to join us next year in Omaha, Nebraska. And so that's a great thing. And I I was a DCAM first time in 2010. And, uh, you know, I, I said this recently that when I first won that award and I found that it was going to be uh, the length of time, I'm wondering, I had never been to a convention that lasts that long. So I'm wondering, what are we going to be able to do all of those <laughs> days? And I thought I might be bored or something, but I tell you what, it was so much fun uh, till when it came to like I had two more days left. I said, oh, no, it's it's ending. I wanted I wanted I wanted more days, you know, it was so much to <laughs> to learn. Uh, every session was enlightening. Piece of the convention for me was very good with the membership committee telling me about ACB basic things and giving me some pointers about how to get around the hotel, giving me some ideas about things to participate in. Because when you first come, uh, you just don't always know what to even register for. 
so the DCAM uh, committee, when we get with our applicants, we have an informational call to give them um, a good overview of what they can experience. And, uh, and also, we have Janet Dickelman to join us on that particular call to share some ideas about sessions that are available that they may benefit from on their own personally. Uh, in addition to those that we recommend, we actually not recommend, but we actually re require them to participate in, that goes along with the award. And they, they agree to all of those things well in advance, when, especially when they're having their interview, 30-minute uh, interview that takes place. So, uh, and, yeah. And to make sure that they, they um, are, are further, re uh, you know, prepared for, for that power-packed week, um, we have a mentor uh, system where they are paired with um, an individual from our committee mm -hmm. and we're the go-to person anytime they have a question, you know, what do I do now? Where am I at? You know, where is that going to be? You know, those kinds of things. They know they can text us, call us and, and we'll, we'll help them through to the next thing that they need to be at um, and to answer any questions they may have. So Zelda, it sounds, and Kenneth, it sounds like it's a great experience for the individual, um, not only a personal experience, but an opportunity for personal growth and networking. What's the benefit to ACB to offering the DKM First Timers Award and the JP Morgan Leadership Fellows? Um, why, why do we offer these programs and how do they benefit ACB as an organization? And I'll begin with Zelda. Well, um, you can't have too many leaders. That's, you know, there, there's, there's a place for everyone. And, and um, we just want to encourage everyone to, to seek out their passion. Um, we don't all want the same thing. We don't all want to serve on the same committee, nor do we have um, the interests and, and the experiences to, to be, you know, all in the same place. Um, by... Um, letting them or enabling them to, to come to the convention and to, um, to, to rub shoulders with, with other leaders, um, other members, um, and to find out what's available, um, um, you know, is just an eye-opening experience for, for many um, because you don't get the true idea of, of how the board performs. Um, many of, uh, we ask that all of all of the attendees uh, write up kind of a um, a report, um, a narrative of their experiences at convention, and many of them have have written just how awesome it is to see how um, our leaders um, conduct the business of our organization and to get a, a bigger understanding of of how all of the pieces of the puzzle fit together and. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's when you look at um, the people who have come to the ACP convention as first timers and as J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows, and you see how many of them are are serving on committees and and are are even on the board. Now, Michael Talley was the winner of a leadership the Leadership Fellows. Uh, here a few years ago, and and he's on our ACB board. Um, you know, it just it's well worth um, the investment in these individuals um, for ACB to help grow leaders to fill in those places. 
And Kenneth, do you agree with Zelda? Do these programs work to encourage and provide opportunities for growth for the ACB leaders of tomorrow? Definitely. And we, we really gauge them as we even begin communicating with them once we receive their applications. Um, and, you know, we have so many opportunities during the months where we, they've applied uh, down to them when we actually make selections. And I've uh, created a document entitled 15 Ways to Maximize Your Membership. And it really gives them some ideas about how to get better involved and learn more about ACB. And, uh, and we have some great conversations uh, ongoing and try to keep those relationships going even after uh, the convention has taken place. So and it's been a great, great thing to hear of those uh, experiences that, that they've written to us after the convention to tell us about, about their personal experience and what they gained that can not only benefit themselves, but their affiliate, their chapter and ACB. And we always get to introduce them to all of our a list of our committees that are available so that they can read about those, even uh, give, them, give them the link to even make sure they can find the chair of those committees that they may be interested in and ask questions and consider serving. So uh, they're they, they introduced to a number of things that some of them may be aware of, but uh, we just want to make sure that they are. And maybe it would be a way of uh, uh, helping them to move along in case they, uh, even if they did know before, sometimes we need a little nudge. But we've had some great candidates. Uh, and sometimes they've been so fabulous that you don't hardly have to tell them anything. They, they, they're they ready to move. They're excited. <laughs> and Kenneth, talking about uh, providing information, if folks want to learn more about the DKM First Timers Award or the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Program, uh, we've got some looming deadlines. And uh, where can folks find more information about the work of your committee and these two programs? Well, we have our own webpage on the ACB website, and that's www.acb.org forward slash DKM. That's www.acb.org forward slash DKM. And uh, that's our page. You can find out some good information. There's some testimonials there you could listen to uh, and get to you know even know who was on the committee. Uh, some other things are there. And to get access to our articles for this year, uh, if you don't have that yet, you would definitely want to uh, read the Braille form beginning in December, really, but in December, January, February, March, uh, to read the article that tells uh, all about our awards, uh, the criteria, uh, what you need to do to apply, and also let your affiliate president know that you need them to write a letter of recommendation on your behalf. And uh, so then it's, you can even find the, the details on the ACB website about our awards. And feel free to contact me at any time at 409-866-5838. That's 409-866-5838. Or send email to simeon.k at att.net. That's S-E-M-I-E-N dot K. That's the letter K at att dot N-E-T. And it's important and- that they do this before... April 5th, um, they need to send their application letter and, and, and have their uh, affiliate president send their letter of recommendation. Um, and both of those items need to be submitted uh, to Kelly Gask at kgask at acb.org. And that is the, the letter K for Kelly Gask, G-A-S-Q-U-E. 
at acb.org. And Zelda, again, that deadline for both the DKM first timers and the JP Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows is April 5th, correct? It is. It is. And it's coming up soon, but you still have plenty of time to do it. And Clark, is there time for me to read a couple little um, quotes from the the uh, reports that people wrote after their experiences at convention last please, year? Please, please do, because I, you know, there probably are folks out there who are on the fence wondering if this is a good opportunity for them. So yeah, let's hear it. Both of these happen to be um, the the leadership fellows and Merle Schlechter uh, said, I came away from the convention more informed, inspired, and feeling renewed. Now, that's quite a thing coming from a convention where, you know, it's it's very um, day after day after day, but she felt renewed. You know, it is very inspiring. And then Regina Brink um, said this about the convention. This has been an amazing experience, and I feel welcomed to a community of people committed to improving the lives of persons with vision loss. I will do everything I can to be part of the solution and not just someone who identifies the problems. I came away from the national convention ready to work. And I just want to note that since that convention, she has been appointed to the ACB Multicultural Affairs Committee. That's great. Thank you so much, Zelda. And that really puts a bow on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, uh, talking with Peggy and Michael Garrett about how we can support uh, and make ACB a more diverse and inclusive and representative community and the supports that are being put in place, not only in terms of mentorship from the Multicultural Affairs Committee, but as well as the ACB board and great members like Zelda and Kenneth here with us today as well, Uh, but also the necessary supports, um, the financial supports made possible by the Derwood K. McDaniel Fund Committee, the DKM First Timers Award, as well as the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Program. Uh, we'll include the link in the notes to this podcast, and please visit the ACB website, www.acb.org to learn more information about all of the ways that ACB is working to grow our community and invest in, as Peggy says, uh, you know, find those treasures and prepare those treasures for the future. And Zelda, as you were saying with your gardening reference, you know, nurture and let, let those future leaders blossom and grow Uh, into the roles that they desire. So Zelda and Kenneth, thank you so much for your time here this afternoon. Thank you. It was our privilege. And folks, get those applications into the DKM committee before April 5th. That is it for this episode of the Advocacy Update. But as we always say at the end of each episode, keep advocating. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. 
You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org. Thank you.